part three of joseph conrad a personal remembrance by ford maddox ford this librivox recording is in the public domain part three section two it might be as well here to put down under separate headings such as construction development and the like what were the formulae for the writing of the novel at which conrad and the writer had arrived say in nineteen o two or so before we finally took up and finished romance the reader will say that that is to depart from the form of the novel in which form this book pretends to be written but that is not the case the novel more or less gradually more or less deviously lets you into the secrets of the characters of the men with whom it deals then having got them in it sets them finally to work some novels and still more short stories will get a character in with a stroke or two as does maupassant in the celebrated sentence in the reine hortense which conrad and the writer were never tired of quite intentionally misquoting c'était un monsieur à favori rouge qui entrait toujours le premier he was a gentleman with red whiskers who always went first through a doorway that gentleman is so sufficiently got in that you need know no more of him to understand how he will act he has been got in and can get to work at once that is called by the official british critics the static method and is for some reason or other contemned in england other novels however will take much much longer to develop their characters some and this one is an example will take almost a whole book to really get their characters in and will then dispose of the action with a chapter a line or even a word or two the most wonderful instance of all of that is the ending of the most wonderful of all maupassant stories chant olivier which if the reader has not read he should read at once let us now take a heading this method has the advantage that the lay reader who cannot interest himself in literary methods and the critic analyst whose one passion is to cut the cackle and come to the horses can skip the whole chapter certain that he will miss none of the spicy tidbits general effect we agreed that the general effect of a novel must be the general effect that life makes on mankind a novel must therefore not be a narration a report life does not say to you in nineteen fourteen my next-door neighbor mr slack erected a greenhouse and painted it with cox's green aluminum paint if you think about the matter you will remember in various unordered pictures how one day mr slack appeared in his garden and contemplated the wall of his house you will then try to remember the year of that occurrence and you will fix it as august nineteen fourteen because having had the foresight to bear the municipal stock of the city of liege you were able to afford a first-class season ticket for the first time in your life you will remember mr slack then much thinner because it was before he found out where to buy that cheap burgundy of which he has since drunk an inordinate quantity though whisky you think would be much better for him mr slack again came into his garden this time with a pale weaselly faced fellow who touched his cap from time to time mr slack will point to his house wall several times at different points the weaselly fellow touching his cap at each pointing some days after coming back from business you will have observed against mr slack's wall 
at this point you will remember that you were then the manager of the fresh fish branch of measures catlin and clovis in fenchurch street what a change since then millicent had not yet put her hair up you will remember how millicent's hair looked rather pale and burnished in plaits you will remember how it now looks hennied you will see in one corner of your mind's eye a little picture of mr mills the vicar talking oh very kindly to millicent after she has come back from brighton but perhaps you had better not risk that you remember some of the things said by means of which millicent has made you cringe and her expression cox's aluminum paint you remember the half-empty tin that mr slack showed you he had a most undignified cold with the name in a horseshoe over a blue circle that contained a red lion asleep in front of a real gold sun and if that is how the building of your neighbor's greenhouse comes back to you just imagine how it will be with your love affairs that are so much more complicated impressionism we accepted without much protest the stigma impressionists that was thrown at us in those days impressionists were still considered to be bad people atheists reds wearing red ties with which to frighten householders but we accepted the name because life appearing to us much as the building of mr slack's greenhouse comes back to you we saw that life did not narrate but made impressions on our brains we in turn if we wish to produce on you an effect of life must not narrate but render impressions selection we agreed that the whole of art consists in selection to render your remembrance of your career as a fish salesman might enhance the story of mr slack's greenhouse or it might not a little image of iridescent blue-striped black-striped white fish on a white marble slab with water trickling down to them round a huge mass of orange salmon row a vivid description of a horrible smell caused by a cat having stolen and hidden in the thick of your pelargoniums a cod's head that you had brought back as a perquisite you having subsequently killed the cat with a hammer but long long before you had rediscovered her fishy booty such little impressions might be useful as contributing to illustrate your character one should not kill a cat with a hammer they might illustrate your sense of the beautiful or your fortitude under affliction or the disagreeableness of mr slack who had a delicate sense of smell or the point of view of your only daughter millicent we should then have to consider whether your sense of the beautiful or your fortitude could in our rendering carry the story forward or interest the reader if it did you should include it if in your opinion it was not likely to you should leave it out or the story of the cat might in itself seem sufficiently amusing to be inserted as a purposed longueur so as to give the idea of the passage of time it may be more amusing to read the story of a cat with your missing dinner than to read a fortnight elapsed or it might be better after all to write boldly mr slack after a fortnight had elapsed remarked one day very querulously that smell seems to get worse instead of better selection speeches 
that last would be compromise for it would be narration instead of rendering it would be far better to give an idea of the passage of time by picturing a cat with a cod's head but the length of the story must be considered sometimes to render anything at all in a given space will take up too much room even to render the effect and delivery of a speech then just boldly and remorselessly you must narrate and risk the introduction of yourself as author with the danger that you may destroy all the illusion of the story conrad and the writer would have agreed that the ideal rendering of mr slack's emotions would be as follows a scrawny dark brown neck with an immense adam's apple quivering over the blue stripes of a collar erected itself between the sunflower stems above the thin oaken flats of the dividing fence an unbelievably long thin gap of a mouth opened itself beneath a black spotted handkerchief to say that the unspeakable odour was sufficient to slay all the porters in covent garden last week it was only bad enough to drive a regiment of dragoons into a faint the night before the people whom he had had to supper i wondered who could eat any supper with any appetite under the gaze of those yellow eyes people mind you to whom he had hoped to sell a little bit of property in the neighbourhood good people with more than a little bit in the bank people whose residence would give the whole neighbourhood a lift they had asked if he liked going out alone at night with so many undiscovered murders about undiscovered murders he went on repeating as if the words gave him an intimate sense of relief he concluded with the phrase i don't think that would be a very fair rendering of part of an episode it would have the use of getting quite a lot of mr slack in but you might want to get on towards recounting how you had the lucky idea of purchasing shares in a newspaper against which mr slack had counselled you and you might have got mr slack in already the rendering in fact of speeches gave conrad and the writer more trouble than any other department of the novel whatever it introduced at once the whole immense subject of under what convention the novel is to be written for whether you tell it direct and as author which is the more difficult way or whether you put it into the mouth of a character which is easier by far but much more cumbersome the question of reporting or rendering speeches has to be faced to pretend that any character or any author writing directly can remember whole speeches with all their words for a matter of twenty-four hours let alone twenty-four years is absurd the most that the normal person carries away of a conversation after even a couple of hours is just a salient or characteristic phrase or two and a mannerism of the speaker yet if the reader stops to think at all or has any acuteness whatever to render mr slack's speech directly that their odour is enough to do all the porters in common garden worst week i wouldn't no more i was a whole squad of tinswickle army on the compet and so on through an entire monologue of a page and a half must set the reader at some point or other wondering how the author or the narrator can possibly even if they were present have remembered every word of mr slack's long speech yet the object of the novelist is to keep the reader entirely oblivious of the fact that the author exists even of the fact that he is reading a book 
this is of course not possible to the bitter end but a reader can be rendered very engrossed and the nearer you can come to making him entirely insensitive to his surroundings the more you will have succeeded then again directly reported speeches in a book do move very slowly by the use of indirect locutions together with the rendering of the effects of other portions of speech you can get a great deal more into a given space there is a type of reader that likes what is called conversations but that type is rather the reader in an undeveloped state than the reader who has read much so wherever practicable we used to arrange speeches much as in the paragraph devoted to mr slack above but quite often we compromised and gave passages of direct enough speech this was one of the matters as to which the writer was more uncompromising than was conrad in the novel which he did at last begin on his forty-first birthday there will be found to be hardly any direct speech at all and probably none that is more than a couple of lines in length conrad indeed later arrived at the conclusion that a novel being in the end a matter of convention and in the beginning too for the matter of that since what are type paper bindings and all the rest but matters of agreement and convenience you might as well stretch convention a little farther and postulate that your author or your narrator is a person of a prodigious memory for the spoken he had one minute passion with regard to conversations he could not bear the repetition of he said and she said and would spend agitated hours in chasing those locutions out of his or our pages and substituting he replied she ejaculated answered mr verloc and the like the writer was left moved by this consideration it seemed to him that you could employ the words he said as often as you like accepting them as being unnoticeable like a thee his her or very conversations one unalterable rule that we had for the rendering of conversations for genuine conversations that are an exchange of thought not interrogatories or statements of fact was that no speech of one character should ever answer the speech that goes before it this is almost invariably the case in real life where few people listen because they are always preparing their own next speeches when of a saturday evening you are conversing over the fence with your friend mr slack you hardly notice that he tells you he has seen an incredibly coloured petunia at a market gardener's because you are dying to tell him that you have determined to turn author to the extent of writing a letter on local politics to the newspaper of which against his advice you have become a large shareholder he says write down extraordinary that petunia was you say what would you think now of my he says diamond-shaped stripes it had blue-black and salmon you say i've always thought i had a bit of a gift your daughter millicent interrupts julia gower has got a pair of snakeskin shoes she bought them at whiston and willicks you miss mr slack's next two speeches in wondering where millicent got that bangle on her wrist you will have to tell her more carefully than ever that she must not accept presents from tom dick and harry by the time you have come out of that reverie mr slack is remarking i said to him use turpentine and sweet oil three parts to two what do you think surprise 
we agreed that the one quality that gave interest to art was the quality of surprise that is very well illustrated in the snatch of conversation just given if you reported a long speech of mr slack's to the effect that he was going to enter some of his petunias for the local flower show and those with his hydrangeas and ornamental sugar beet might well give him the howard cup for the third time in which case it would become his property out and out he would then buy two silver and cut glass epinge one to stand on each side of the cup on his sideboard he always did think that a touch of silver and cut glass if after that you gave a long speech of your own after naturally you had added a few commonplaces as a politeness to mr slack if you gave a long speech in which with modesty you dwelt on the powers of observation and of the pen that you had always considered yourself to possess and in which you announced that you certainly meant to write a letter to the paper in which you had shares on the statuary in the facade of the new town hall which was an offence to public decency and if in addition to that you added a soliloquy from your daughter millicent to the effect that she intended to obtain on credit from your bootmakers charging them to your account a pair of scarlet morocco shoes with two-inch heels with which to go joy-riding on the sunday with a young actor who played under the name of hildebrand hare and who had had his portrait in your paper if you gave all these long speeches one after the other you might be aware of a certain dullness when you re-read that compte rendu but if you carefully broke up petunias statuary and flower-show motifs and put them down in little shreds one contrasting with the other you would arrive at something much more coloured animated lifelike and interesting and you would convey a profoundly significant lesson as to the self-engrossment of humanity into that live scene you would then drop the piece of news that you wanted to convey and so you would carry the chapter a good many stages forward here again a compromise must necessarily come in there must come a point in the dramatic working up of every scene in which the characters do directly answer each other for a speech or for two or three speeches it was in this department as has already been pointed out that conrad was matchless and the writer very deficient or again a point may come in which it is necessary in which at least it is to take the line of least resistance to report directly a whole tremendous effort of eloquence as ebullient as an oration by mr lloyd george on the hymns of the welsh nation for there are times when the paraphernalia of indirect speech interruptions and the rest retard your action too much then they must go the sense of reality must stand down before the necessity to get on but on the whole the indirect interrupted method of handling interviews is invaluable for giving a sense of the complexity the tantalization the shimmering the haze that life is in the pre-war period the english novel began at the beginning of a hero's life and went straight on to his marriage without pausing to look aside this was all very well in its way but the very great objection could be offered against it that such a story was too confined to its characters and too self-centredly went on in vacuo 
if you are so set on the affairs of your daughter millicent with the young actor that you forget that there are flower shows and town halls with nude statuary your intellect will appear a thing much more circumscribed than it should be or to take a larger matter a great many novelists have treated of the late war in terms solely of the war in terms of pipsqueaks trench coats wire aprons shells mud dust and sending the bayonet home with a grunt for that reason interest in the late war is said to have died but had you taken part actually in those hostilities you would know how infinitely little part the actual fighting itself took in your mentality you would be lying on your stomach in a beast of a funk with an immense horrid german barrage going on all over and around you and with hell and all let loose but apart from the occasional petulant question when the deuce will our fellows get going and shut em up your thoughts were really concentrated on something quite distant on your daughter millicent's hair on the fall of the asquith ministry on your financial predicament on why your regimental ferrets kept on dying on whether latin is really necessary to an education or in what way really ought the authorities to deal with certain diseases you were there but great shafts of thought from the outside distant and unattainable world infinitely for the greater part occupied your mind it was that effect then that conrad and the writer sought to get into their work that being impressionism but these two writers were not unaware that there are other methods they were not rigid in their own methods they were sensible to the fact that compromise is at all times necessary in the execution of every work of art let us come then to the eternally vexed seas of the literary ocean style we agreed on this axiom the first business of style is to make work interesting the second business of style is to make work interesting the third business of style is to make work interesting the fourth business of style is to make work interesting the fifth business of style style then has no other business a style interests when it carries the reader along it is then a good style a style ceases to interest when by reason of disjointed sentences overused words monotonous or jog-trot cadences it fatigues the reader's mind two startling words however apt two just images two great displays of cleverness are apt in the long run to be as fatiguing as the most overused words or the most jog-trot cadences that a face resembles a dutch clock has been too often said to say that it resembles a ham is inexact and conveys nothing to say that it has the mournfulness of an old squashed-in meat tin cast away on a waste building lot would be smart but too much of that sort of thing would become a nuisance to say that a face was cramoisy is undesirable few people nowadays know what the word means its employment will make the reader marvel at the user's erudition in thus marvelling he ceases to consider the story and an impression of vagueness or length is produced in his mind a succession of impressions of vagueness and length render a book in the end unbearable 
there are of course pieces of writing intended to convey the sense of the author's cleverness knowledge of obsolete words or power of inventing similes with such exercises conrad and the writer never concerned themselves we used to say the first lesson that an author has to learn is that of humility blessed are the humble because they do not get between the reader's legs before everything the author must learn to suppress himself he must learn that the first thing he has to consider is his story and the last thing that he has to consider is his story and in between that he will consider his story we used to say that a passage of good style began with a fresh usual word and continued with fresh usual words to the end there was nothing more to it when we felt that we had really got hold of the reader with a great deal of caution we would introduce a word not common to a very limited vernacular but that only very occasionally very occasionally indeed practically never yet it is in that way that a language grows and keeps alive people get tired of hearing the same words over and over again it is again a matter for compromise our chief masters in style were flaubert and maupassant flaubert in the greater degree and maupassant in the less in about the proportion of a sensible man's whisky and soda we stood as it were on those hills and thence regarded the world we remembered long passages of flaubert elaborated long passages in his spirit and with his cadences and then translated them into passages of english as simple as the subject under treatment would bear we remembered short staccato passages of maupassant invented short staccato passages in his spirit and then translated them into english as simple as the subject would bear differing subjects bear differing degrees of simplicity to apply exactly the same timbre of language to a dreadful interview between a father and a daughter as to the description of a child's bedroom at night is impracticable because it is unnatural in thinking of the frightful scene with your daughter millicent which ruined your life town councillor and parliamentary candidate though you had become you will find that your mind employs a verbiage quite different from that which occurs when you remember millicent asleep her little mouth just slightly opened her toys beside the shaded night light our vocabulary then was as simple as was practicable but there are degrees of simplicity we employed as a rule in writing the language that we employed in talking the one to the other when we used french in speaking we tried mentally to render in english the least literary equivalent of the phrase we were however apt to employ in our conversation words and paraphrases that are not in use by say financiers this was involuntary we imagining that we talked simply enough but later a body of younger men with whom the writer spent some years would say after dinner talk like a book h do talk like a book the writer would utter some speeches in the language that he employed when talking with conrad but he never could utter more than a sentence or two at a time the whole mess would roar with laughter and for some minutes would render his voice inaudible 
if you will reflect on the language you then employed and the writer you will find that it was something like cheerio old bean the beastly adjutant's parade is at five ac emma will you take my johnny and let me get a good little fug in my downy bug walk i'm fair blind to the wide to-night that was the current language then and in the earlier days of our conversations some equivalent with which we were unacquainted must normally have prevailed that we could hardly have used in our books since within a very short time such languages become incomprehensible even to-day the locution ac emma is no longer used and the expression blind to the wide is incomprehensible the very state is unfamiliar to more than half the english-speaking populations of the globe so we talked and wrote a middle-high english of as unaffected a sort as would express our thoughts and that was all that there really was to our style our greatest admiration for a stylist in any language was given to w h hudson of whom conrad said that his writing was like the grass that the good god made to grow and when it was there you could not tell how it came carefully examined a good and interesting style will be found to consist in a constant succession of tiny unobservable surprises if you write his range of subject was very wide and his conversation very varied and unusual he would arouse you with his perorations or lull you with his periods therefore his conversation met with great appreciation and he made several fast friends you will not find the world very apt to be engrossed by what you have set down the results will be different if you put it he had the power to charm or frighten a rudimentary souls into an aggravated witch-dance he could also fill the small souls of the pilgrim with bitter misgivings he had one devoted friend at least and he had conquered one soul in the world that was neither rudimentary nor tainted with self-seeking or let us put the matter in another way the catalogue of an ironmonger's store is uninteresting as literature because things in it are all classified and thus obvious the catalogue of a farm sale is more interesting because things in it are contrasted no one would for long read nails drawn wire one-half inch per pound nails due three-quarter inch per pound nails due inch per pound but it is often not disagreeable to read desultorily lot two sixty seven pair rabbit gins lot two sixty eight antique powder flask lot two sixty nine melee crease lot two seventy set of six sporting prints by herring lot two seventy one silver caudle cup for that as far as it goes has the quality of surprise that is perhaps enough about style this is not a technical manual and at about this point we arrive at a region in which the writer's memory is not absolutely clear as to the points on which he and conrad were agreed we made in addition an infinite number of experiments together and separately in points of style and cadence the writer as has been said wrote one immense book entirely in sentences of not more than ten syllables he read the book over he found it read immensely long 
he went through it all again he joined short sentences he introduced relative clauses he wrote in long sentences that had a gentle sonority and ended with a dying fall the book read less long much less long conrad also made experiments but not on such a great scale since he could always have the benefit of the writer's performances of that sort the writer only remembers specifically one instance of an exercise on conrad's part he was interested in blank verse at the moment though he took no interest in english verse as a rule and the writer happening to observe that whole passages of heart of darkness were not very far off blank verse conrad tried for a short time to turn a paragraph into decasyllabic lines the writer remembers the paragraph quite well it is the one which begins she walked with measured steps draped in striped and fringed cloths treading the earth proudly with a single jingle and flash of barbarous ornaments but he cannot remember what conrad added or took away there come back vaguely to him a line or two like she carried high her head her hair was done in the shape of a helmet she had greaves of brass to the knee gauntlets of brass to the elbow a crimson spot that however may just as well be the writer's contrivance as conrad's it happened too long ago for the memory to be sure a little later the writer occupying himself with writing french rhymed vers libre conrad tried his hand at that also he produced yes toujours la vie n'est pas si gay c'est triste jour qu'on a travers le high tombe le long rayon dernier de mon soleil qui gagnait les sommets la montagne de l'horizon there was a line or two more that the writer has forgotten that was conrad's solitary attempt to write verse we may as well put the rest of this matter under a separate heading cadence this was the one subject upon which we never came to any agreement it was the writer's view that every one has a natural cadence of his own from which in the end he cannot escape conrad held that a habit of good cadence could be acquired by the study of models his own he held came to him from distant reading of flaubert he did himself probably an injustice but questions of cadence and accentuation as of prosody in general we were chary of discussing they were matters as to which conrad was very touchy his ear was singularly faulty for one who was a great writer of elaborated prose so that at times the writer used to wonder how the deuce he did produce his effects of polyphonic closings to paragraphs in speaking english he had practically no idea of accentuation whatever and indeed no particular habits he would talk of mr cunningham graham's book success alternately as success and success half a dozen times in the course of a conversation about the works of that very wonderful writer over french he was not much better he became quite enraged when told that if the first line of his verse quoted above was to be regarded as decasyllabic and it must by english people be regarded as decasyllabic then the word v must be a monosyllable in spite of its termination in e 
he had in the second line quite correctly allowed for triste as being two syllables and tombe in the third in the clash of french verse theories of those days he might be correct or incorrect without committing a solecism but he could not be incorrect in the first line and formal in the others conrad's face would cloud over he would snatch up a volume of racine and read half a dozen lines he would exclaim contemptuously do you mean to say that each of those verses consists of ten syllables yet he would have read the verse impeccably he would flush up to the eyes he would cry did you ever hear a frenchman say veille when he meant vie you never did jamais de la vie and with fury he would read his verse aloud making with a slight stammer v a monosyllable and with impetus two syllables each out of triste and tombe he would begin to gesticulate his eyes flashing one would change the subject of discussion to the unfailing topic of the rottenness of french as a medium for poetry finding perfect harmony again in the thought that french was as rotten for verse poetry as was english for any sort of prose the curious thing was that when he read his prose aloud his accentuation was absolutely faultless so that it always seemed to the writer that conrad's marvellous gift of language was in the end dramatic when he talked his sense of phonetics was dormant but the moment it came to any kind of performance the excitement would quicken the brain centres that governed his articulation it was indeed the same with his french when conversing desertorially with the writer he had much of the accent and the negligence of an aristocratic meridional lounger of the seventies but when at lamb house rye he addressed compliments to mr henry james you could imagine if you closed your eyes that it was the senior actor of the theatre francaise addressing an eulogium to the bust of moliere probably the mere thought of reading aloud subconsciously aroused memories of once heard orations of mr gladstone or john bright so in writing even to himself he would accentuate and pronounce his words as had done those now long defunct orators and it is to be remembered that during all those years the writer wrote every word that he wrote with the idea of reading aloud to conrad and that during all those years conrad wrote what he wrote with the idea of reading it aloud to this writer structure that gets rid as far as is necessary in order to give a pretty fair idea of conrad's methods of the questions that concern the texture of a book more official or more learned writers who shall not be novelists shall treat of this author's prose with less lightness but assuredly too with less love questions then of vocabulary selection of incident style cadence and the rest concerned themselves with the colour and texture of prose and since this writer again will leave to more suitable pens the profounder appraisements of conrad's morality philosophy and the rest there remains only to say a word or two on the subject of form conrad then never wrote a true short story a matter of two or three pages of minutely considered words ending with a smack with what the french call a coup de canon 
his stories were always what for lack of a better phrase one has to call long short stories for these the form is practically the same as that of the novel or to avoid the implication of saying that there is only one form for the novel it would be better to put it that the form of long short stories may vary as much as may the form for novels the short story of maupassant of chekhov or even of the late o henry is practically stereotyped the introduction of a character in a word or two a word or two for atmosphere a few paragraphs for story and then click a sharp sentence that flashes the illumination of the idea over the whole this conrad and for the matter of that the writer never so much as attempted either apart or in collaboration the reason for this lies in all that is behind the mystic word justification before everything a story must convey a sense of inevitability that which happens in it must seem to be the only thing that could have happened of course a character may cry if i had then acted differently how different everything would now be the problem of the author is to make this then action the only action that character could have taken it must be inevitable because of his character because of his ancestry because of past illness or on account of the gradual coming together of the thousand small circumstances by which destiny who is inscrutable and august will push us into one certain predicament let us illustrate in the rendering of your long friendship with an ultimate bitter hostility towards your neighbour mr slack who had a greenhouse painted with cox's aluminum paint you will if you wish to get yourself in with the scrupulousness of a conrad have to provide yourself in the first place with an ancestry at least as far back as your grandparents to account for your own stability of character and physical robustness you will have to give yourself two dear old grandparents in a lodge at the gates of a great nobleman if necessary you will have to give them a brightly polished copper kettle simmering on a spotless hob with silhouettes on each side of the mantel in order to account for the lamentable procedure of your daughter millicent you must provide yourself with an actress or gypsy grandmother or at least with a french one this grandmother will have lived unfortunately unmarried with someone of eloquence possibly with the great earl prime minister at whose gates is situated the humble abode of your other grandparents at any rate she will have lived with some one from whom you will have inherited your eloquence from her will have descended the artistic gifts to which the reader will owe your admirable autobiographic novel if you have any physical weakness to counterbalance the robustness of your other grandparents you will provide your mother shortly before your birth with an attack of typhoid fever due to a visit to venice in company with your father who was a gentleman's courier in the family in which your mother was a lady's maid your father in order to be a courier will have had owing to his illegitimacy to live abroad in very poor circumstances the very poor circumstances will illustrate the avarice of his statesman father an avarice which will have descended to you in the shape of that carefulness in money matters that reacting on the detrimental tendencies inherited by millicent from her actress grandmother so lamentably influences your daughter's destiny 
and of course there will have to be a great deal more than that always supposing you to be as scrupulous as was conrad in this matter of justification for conrad and for the matter of that the writer was never satisfied that he had really and sufficiently got his character in he was never convinced that he had convinced the reader this accounting for the great lengths of some of his books he never introduced a character however subsidiary without providing that character with ancestry and hereditary characteristics or at least with home surroundings always supposing that character had any influence on the inevitability of the story any policeman who arrested any character must be justified because the manner in which he effected the arrest his mannerisms his vocabulary and his voice might have a permanent effect on the psychology of the prisoner the writer remembers conrad using almost those very words during the discussion of the plot of the secret agent this method unless it is very carefully handled is apt to have the grave defect of holding a story back very considerably you must as a rule bring the biography of a character in only after you have introduced the character yet if you introduce a policeman to make an arrest the rendering of his biography might well retard the action of an exciting point in the story it becomes then your job to arrange that the very arresting of the action is an incitement of interest in the reader just as if you serialize a novel you take care to let the words to be continued in our next come in at as harrowing a moment as you can contrive and of course the introducing of the biography of a character may have the great use of giving contrast to the tone of the rest of the book supposing that in your history of your affair with mr slack you think that the note of your orderly middle-class home is growing a little monotonous it would be very handy if you could discover that mr slack had a secret dipsomaniacal wife confined in a country cottage under the care of a rather criminal old couple with a few pages of biography of that old couple you could give a very pleasant relief to the sameness of your narrative in that way the sense of reality is procured philosophy etc we agreed that the novel is absolutely the only vehicle for the thought of our day with the novel you can do anything you can inquire into every department of life you can explore every department of the world of thought the one thing that you cannot do is to propagandize as author for any cause you must not as author utter any views above all you must not fake any events you must not however humanitarian you may be over elaborate the fear held by a coursed rabbit it is obviously best if you can contrive to be without views at all your business with the world is rendering not alteration you have to render life with such exactitude that more specialized beings than you learning from you what are the secret needs of humanity may judge how many white tiled bathrooms are or to what extent parliamentary representation is necessary for the happiness of men and women if however your yearning to amend the human race is so great that you cannot possibly keep your fingers out of the watch-springs there is a device that you can adopt let us suppose that you feel tremendously strong views as to sexual immorality or temperance. 
you feel that you must express these yet you know that like say monsieur anatole france who is also a propagandist you are a supreme novelist you must then invent justify and set going in your novel a character who can convincingly express your views if you are a gentleman you will also invent justify and set going characters to express views opposite to those you hold you have reached the climax of your long relationship with mr slack you have been invited and are just going to address a deputation that has come to invite you to represent your native city in the legislature of your country the deputation is just due five minutes before it arrives to present you with the proudest emotion of your life you learn that your daughter millicent is going to have a child by mr slack him of course you will have already justified as the likely seducer of a young lady whose cupidity in the matter of bangles and shoes you by your pecuniary carefulness have kept perpetually on the stretch mr slack has a dipsomaniacal wife so there is no chance of his making the matter good you thus have an admirable opportunity of expressing quite a number of views through the mouth of the character whom you have so carefully justified as yourself quite a number of views that then was cursorially stated the technique that we evolved at the pent it will be found to be nowadays pretty generally accepted as the normal way of handling the novel it is founded on common sense and some of its maxims may therefore stand permanently or they may not progression des faits there is just one other point in writing a novel we agreed that every word set on paper every word set on paper must carry the story forward and that as the story progressed the story must be carried forward faster and faster and with more and more intensity that is called progression des faits words for which there is no english equivalent one must go on to further technicalities such as how to squeeze the last drop out of a subject the writer has however given an instance of this in describing how we piled perils of the hangman's rope on the unfortunate john kemp to go deeper into the matter would be too technical perhaps enough has been said in this chapter to show you what was the character the scrupulousness and the common sense of our hero there remains to add once more but these two writers were not unaware were not unaware that there are other methods of writing novels they were not rigid even in their own methods they were sensible to the fact that compromise is at all times necessary to the execution of a work of art the lay reader will be astonished at this repetition and at these italics they are inserted for the benefit of gentlemen and ladies who comment on books in the press language it would be disingenuous to avoid the subject of language this is the only matter on which the writer ever differed fundamentally from conrad it was one upon which the writer felt so deeply that for several years he avoided his friend's society the pain of approaching the question is thus very great conrad's dislike for the english language then was during all the years of our association extreme his contempt for his medium unrivalled 
again and again during the writing of say nostromo he expressed passionate regret that it was then too late to hope to make a living by writing in french and as late as nineteen sixteen he expressed to the writer an almost equally passionate envy of the writer who was in a position to write in french propaganda for the government of the french republic and conrad's contempt for english as a prose language was not as in the writer's case mitigated by love for english as the language for verse poetry for to the writer english is as much superior to french in the one particular as french to english in the other conrad however knew nothing of and cared less for english verse and his hatred for english as a prose medium reached such terrible heights that during the writing of nostromo the continual weight of conrad's depression broke the writer down we had then published romance and conrad breaking in the interests of that work his eremitic habits decided that we ought to show ourselves in town the writer therefore took a very large absurd house on camden hill and proceeded to entertain conrad had lodgings also on camden hill at this time nostromo had begun to run as a serial in a very popular journal and on the placards of that journal conrad's name appeared on every hoarding in london this publicity caused conrad an unbelievable agony he conceiving himself for ever dishonoured by such vicarious pandering to popularity it was the most terrible period of conrad's life and of the writer's conrad at that time considered himself completely unsuccessful ignored by the public ill-treated by the critics he was certainly at that date being treated with unusual stupidity by the critics he was convinced that he would never make a decent living and he was convinced that he would never master english he used to declare that to make a direct statement in english is like trying to kill a mosquito with a forty-foot stock whip when you have never before handled a stock whip one evening he made in french to the writer the impassioned declaration which will be found in french at the end of this volume on the following afternoon he made a really terrible scene at the writer's house the writer was at the time very much harassed the expense of keeping up a rather portentous establishment made it absolutely necessary that he should add considerably to his income with his pen a predicament with which he had not yet been faced there was nothing in that except that it was almost impossible to find time to write an epidemic of influenza running through the house crippled its domestic staff so that all sorts of household tasks had of necessity to be performed by the writer there were in addition social duties and the absolute necessity of carrying conrad every afternoon through a certain quantum of work without which he must miss his weekly installments in the popular journal at an at home there amongst eminent decorous people a well-meaning but unfortunate gentleman congratulated conrad on the fact that his name appeared on all the hoardings and conrad considered that these congratulations were ironical jibes at him because his desperate circumstances had forced him to agree to the dishonour of serialization in a popular journal 
conrad's indictment of the english language was this that no english word is a word that all english words are instruments for exciting blurred emotions oaken in french means made of oak wood nothing more oaken in english connotes innumerable moral attributes it will connote stolidity resolution honesty blonde features relative unbreakableness absolute unbendableness also made of oak the consequence is that no english word has clean edges a reader is always for a fraction of a second uncertain as to which meaning of the word the writer may intend thus all english prose is blurred conrad desired to write a prose of extreme limpidity we may let it go at that in later years conrad achieved a certain fluency and a great limpidity of language the result being the rover which strikes the writer as being a very serene and beautiful work conrad then regretted that for him all the romance of writing was gone in between the two he made tributes to the glory of the english language by implication contemning the tongue that flaubert used this at the time struck the writer at that time in a state of exhausted depression as unforgivable as the very betrayal of tin by tom lingard perhaps it was if it were conrad faced the fact in that book there are predicaments that beset great adventurers in dark hours in the shallows the overtired nerve will fail we may well let it go at that for it would be delightful to catch the echo of the desperate and funny quarrels that enlivened these old days the pity of it is that there comes a time when all the fun of one's life must be looked for in the past these were conrad's last words on all the matters of our collaborations here treated of they were too almost his last words for those who can catch them here then are the echoes End of section three.